last week we spoke about the unjust judge persevering in prayer. Persevere is not a dirty word. We persevere because we're preserved in Christ. We are to pray, and we talked about shall not God avenge His own elect? When the Lord returneth, will He find faith on the earth? Of course, we know that He will because the grace of God is manifested to us His people. Which brings to mind this week, we find in chapter 6 of the book of Genesis where verse 5 says, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We most certainly see that manifested today. The world has been evil since Adam rebelled against God, but it is so much more known today and seen by all the means of communication. The evil of man and what they think and what little regard, if any at all, they have for the Lord. And it repented the Lord that He made man on the earth and it grieved Him in His heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There are so many different Thoughts and ideas in this world that come from man, not God. Why does the Lord suffer this? Why does these things go on? Why does the Lord not return and destroy the wicked? Why is this world even still here? And the very good question, and we've got an answer in the verse, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. If we understand the fact that we all fell in Adam and we're all sinners by existence from the time of conception when one seed of a sinner joins another seed of a sinner, that we are sin. Our existence is sin because the first man that God created rebelled against God and sinned. And death and sin passed upon all. God would have been totally righteous in destroying Adam and Eve and all who would have followed in them when in His holy, righteous judgment, the God who hates sin, regardless of what men believe, if He had destroyed the world at that time. There's a reason God did not. The same reason that God would have been totally just and totally righteous in His fiery wrath and hatred of sin. The God who is so far above sin, if He had destroyed everything in the day of Noah. But Noah found grace. Didn't say Noah and his family. 
It said Noah found grace. Chapter 7, verse 1, The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark for thee, one man, Noah, have I seen righteous before me in this generation. I'd like to stop there and talk sometimes about what all God does for one person, what God will do for one man. We find some of that in the book of Daniel. We find it in Ezekiel. We find it in other places, what God will do for one man. The Bible says, by faith the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. If you read Exodus, you will find there was one person that had faith and God blessed it and God gave it when God parted the Red Sea. And that one man was Moses. Everybody else was murmuring against the Lord. Grace. The covenant of grace. What a misunderstood word. Second Timothy. I'll start reading in chapter 1, verse 8 to talk about grace. Well, I'll go back to 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that comes by grace. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. That power of God is Christ. That wisdom of God is Christ. Okay? Establish the fact. Next verse proves it. Who hath saved us? Christ. And called us with an holy calling, sanctification, redemption, not according to our works, for there are none that doeth good, no, not one. There are none that seeketh after God. They have all gone out of the way. We have no works of our own that are good. The best we can do is fall and fail. It's all of grace. It's not according to our works, but according to His, God's own purpose and grace. Grace. Unmerited love and favor. Not deserved, not earned, not bought. As a matter of fact, we were at rebellion of God in the nature of man. Is that not against every wind of doctrine that flows through the world except the true doctrine of Jesus Christ that you are saved by grace. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. And grace. His purpose. The purpose of grace. The purpose of Christ. The covenant of the Godhead which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Steve and I were talking the other night about this and I'm going to bring this forth since it's on my mind in the 8th chapter of Proverbs. And this is what we were discussing. And it is a very true statement. It's speaking of the wisdom of God, which is Christ, 
the power of God, the wisdom of God. Verse 22, speaking of Christ and the wisdom and power of God, primarily in this text, the wisdom, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way, before His works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the worth was. If we doubt the Godhead, then let this settle the matter. If we do not believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, let this settle the matter. He is a living Word by which the worlds were framed, if they were framed by Him and also for Him, leading us to the purpose of God in the election of grace. Then He had to be there before things were created, for He is the Creator. I was set up from everlasting, from before the beginning or ever the earth was. Before God spoke, before He formed the heaven and the earth, Christ was there. Let us make man into our image. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Father, Word, Holy Ghost. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. They were there before. Why is that important? Because God is eternal. The Son is as eternal as the Father, and the Spirit as eternal as the Father and the Son. Both share in deity. Both share in eternity. Both share in power and purpose. And that's the purpose to speak of today. The purpose of grace. The purpose of everything that we have. Every promise of God, which is yea, And amen, for He cannot lie. He cannot fail. The things that are revealed to us by His Holy Spirit that are just a portion of His ways that are yea and amen. We find in Ephesians, this covenant, beginning in verse 3, chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we've already established in three places. They are eternal. They are the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Let me read and back up, maybe. According as He, this is how we have these heavenly blessings. This is how we have a taste of glory from above. This is how we have the revelation, the knowledge, and the understanding and the grace of God. Because grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law came by Moses, was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. According as He... That is, God the Father has chosen us, every one of His elect, every one the Father gave to the Son, every one the Son agreed to die for, every one the Father would raise up in the Spirit of God. There you see the Godhead. He was chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. This is called the covenant of grace. Covenants are sealed by the greater 
of the covenant maker. God is the greater. 118th Psalm we find, bind the sacrifice with cords to the altar. That is speaking of binding the sacrifice that was pure and without spot and without blame to the altar by the priesthood. It's pointing to the high priest, Jesus Christ, who by the grace of God came into this world. He was bound to the altar. He was bound to the cross to die for the sins of God by the covenant of the Godhead. By the covenant between the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. For the Son is the living Word of God which was made flesh and dwelt among us and by the grace of God was crucified. We had absolutely nothing to do with that. We had no control over that. If we read Scripture, we were fighting against God. We were in rebellion against God. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And that is speaking of His people that God gave Him who were dead in trespass and sin. According to He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. That without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. By the grace of God, Christ came into this world. He laid aside the glory of the Godhead. He was born of the Virgin Mary of the lineage of David, the Holy Ghost being His Father. He lived upon this earth some 33 and a half years. By the grace of God, He was nailed to the cross of Calvary. God did not cause that. The sins of those men, the nature of those men who delivered Him up to be crucified by the Romans did that without a cause. They hated Him without a cause. They accused Him of mischief. mischief, And God suffered it to be for the redemption of His people by grace. From everlasting to everlasting Thou art God. I have loved Thee with an everlasting love. The eternal God has always loved You. This covenant has always been. It never began. There was not a day that it started. We mark the beginning of this nation, the day of independence on July 4th. It's a holiday. The covenant never had a beginning. It is, it has always been, it will always be because the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost have always been in perfect unity and agreement on the covenant of the grace of God, of the salvation of God's people. Going back to the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, the purpose being all that He made. He made for mankind to live and dwell upon the face of the earth and walk with God. God walked with Adam and the, and the body of the pre-incarnate Son of God. God will have a people who will dwell with Him, whom He will 
walk with, whom He will love in such ways that we cannot begin to understand while we live in this body of flesh. But we do remember, look, for new heavens and a new earth. And there we shall walk with God. And we shall see Him as He is. And God walked with Adam in the garden. And yet Satan tempted and Satan beguiled and Adam rebelled and Adam fell. This was not a surprise to God. This was full known in the omniscience of God. Every thought, every act, every doing, every evil thought as in the days of Noah when there was only evil continually, full of wickedness. The heart is a wicked thing. Who can know it? God foreknew the very hairs on your head before the foundation of the world of every man, woman, and child who would ever come into existence. This is the great God whom we serve by His grace and His omniscience and the purpose of election. God would have a people. God chose a people to set His love upon they, the covenant has always been made. It never began. It is. It will be. It always has been. Nothing can change that. This is God the Creator, the God of heaven, the God of salvation. This is our Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He has made us in the blood of Christ, holy, sanctified us, set us aside from death, from sin, from the world, and without blame, Lord, let that sink in, without blame. I read where the Jewish people delivered up the Christ to Pilate to be crucified because they did not have the authority to kill and crucify under Roman bondage. And yet, in that we see, as God's people delivered Him up to be crucified, we see ourselves, because if you love God, He loved you in that everlasting covenant. If you love God, He chose you. You didn't choose Him. That covenant contains you. He foreknew. And that means intimately, foreknowledge as a man and a woman. He foreknew you in omniscience and knowing all things. And you are in that covenant. And you are without blame before Him in love. The Jews that were there that are God's elect among them without blame. And before God the Father in the blood of Christ, we nailed Him to the tree because our sin and our sins daily He died to cleanse us from and therefore we are without blame. Even though we live in a body of sin. Even though we walk in sin. Even though it's not just actions. 
If you hate your brother without a cause, you're guilty of murder. That's what Christ taught us. You see, it's not just the actions, it's the thoughts of our heart. It's the being of ourself, our wicked heart, the nature of man within us. And yet God has you without blame, without blame, in the blood of Christ, in love. That, my friends, is grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't buy it. We could not attain it. We, by nature, hated God. Having, but now without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us. There is that word so many in the world hate. Don't tell me we're predestinated. That takes away my power. That takes away my choice. That takes away my work. And puts it all in the hands of an Almighty God according as He hath chosen us, His people, in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us. That means He set your destiny. Said last week, said it before. There's only two ways things in this world happen. God either suffers them to happen or God causes, ordains them to happen. There's no other way. And God knows all things and has always known all things in the realm of eternity. What you're thinking right now, He knew. Now you couple that with every person that's ever been in existence. And think about the power and the wisdom of God which is in Christ. He predestinated us. He chose a people. Christ died for those people. Their destiny is set to be conformed from the image of Adam to the image of Christ. That destiny was set. It has always been set. It's in eternity without beginning. It cannot be changed. We ought to take comfort in that among all we see and live in this world. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself. We are married to God. By the grace of God, we're His bride. We are... Born of the Spirit of God, therefore we're born into life. We're the seed of God by birth of the Spirit. But when he says we're adopted, that's even more solid in law because an adoption cannot be broken. An adoption cannot be undone. My granddaughter Maggie came from China. They went over there and adopted her. I don't care what President Z does or that fool we've got in the White House or any other man, devil, or demon does. An adoption is permanent. And an adoption is finalized when the child goes home with the parents. And that day, as far as the children of God is not yet come, but we know that it does come. Because the God of grace 
has promised us that. To the pray, what's the purpose? To the praise of the glory of His grace. Who is? What is the glory of His grace? Christ is the express image of His person, the brightness of His glory. And again, according to John one, Christ is the grace of God. The truth of God is the grace of God. To the praise of the glory of His grace. Christ, whom He, Christ, how in the sacrifice of grace made us accepted in the Beloved. We had no way at all. No way at all. Let me say it again. No way at all to know God, to come to God. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't do anything at all to get it. It's all by the election of grace. The great love of God. Speaking of Christ in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to what? The riches of His grace. Now God is merciful to us. Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. God's even merciful to the unjust. God sends His rain on the just and the unjust. He gives them food to eat, water to drink, clothes to wear while they live in this world. They don't get what they deserve here. But gray and we certainly, we, God's children, certainly do not get what we deserve. You remember the verse of Scripture, unto whom much is given, much is required? You think about that as a church capacity and how far short we fall. We don't get what we deserve. We still have a kingdom. We still have the riches of grace. We still have the knowledge of the riches of grace. But grace is beyond mercy... As a matter of fact, mercy stems from grace. It's of God's grace that we have mercy. It's of God's grace that mercy is extended to the wicked because God will not destroy this world and separate the wheat from the tares until the last promised heir of grace is born of the Spirit of God and changed and He delivers up the kingdom. So in that aspect... Our grace that God gives us is a reason to have mercy extended to them in this world. And you, chapter 2, and Paul is speaking to disciples, and you hath He quickened. He gave us life. God gives life. Christ is the life itself. No one can give life but Christ. He's the Creator. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That was Christ. God spoke and it was. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That is Christ giving you life today for the Son of Man quickeneth whom He will. 
And you hath He quickened, given life, who were dead in trespasses and sins. This uses this to teach us of the dead who can do nothing. They cannot come forth from the grave. If they've been consumed of animals, they out in the dunghill, they can't bring themselves back together again. If they've been consumed in a fire, they can't bring the ashes back together. Only God can do that and will on the last day. But it's comparing us to being dead in trespass in sin. Just like in the day of Noah, every imagination of every man's heart only evil continually, that is our state in nature. And God, by His grace, quickens us, makes us without blame. Remember Peter? Born again to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Grace. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and sins, wherein time past you walked according to the course of this world. Let me tell you something. And this had been on my mind years ago until the God gives an answer, at least to satisfy my heart. You take a child in a womb, somebody says, well, that baby's never done anything wrong. How can he be a sinner? Because his mama's a sinner and his daddy's a sinner and what they conceive is sin. Sin begets sin, okay? They've never come forth and walked in the nature, the course of this sin-cursed earth which God will destroy. But they were conceived in that nature. They were, their being was a part of that nature. Wherefore? In time past, they walked according to the course of the world. They were born into it according to the prince of the power of the air, that is Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Why do we strive on the Lord's day every week to teach you of Christ and the grace of God and warn you as a watchman on the wall to beware of false doctrine and the things which would cause misery and take joy from a child of God. We strive to teach you grace because God, Christ, the Spirit loves you never without a beginning and never with an end. He has loved you, He will love you, and He loves you today. And it's all in grace. It's the grace of God by which we have all these things. among whom we also all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, that just means the desires of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. First, let me say this. There is not one possibility that any child of God would have or could have or might suffer the eternal wrath of God. This covenant was made in the omniscience of God, all-knowing, 
And the foreknowledge of God is intimacy for His children. Before the world ever was, before sin ever entered the world by man, it was agreed upon. There has never been the possibility of a child of God tasting the fire of hell. But we are worthy of it. One sin is as bad as another. A lie in the eyes of a righteous God who cannot look upon sin is as guilty of being sin as is murder. Let's go a step farther. Looking at a woman with lust, hating your brother without a cause, never uttering it to anybody, but the thought within you is as guilty of sin as murder or any other sin. Okay? We were by nature the children of wrath. We were deserving of it even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us. God is a God who is rich in mercy to His people, to those included in this covenant in chapter 1 and verse 3, those the Father gave the Son. It's called the election of grace. There's no salvation without it. Speaking of the Jews in the church in that day in Romans 11, Paul said, Israel hath not obtained it, but the election hath obtained it. The election of grace. The election of the unmerited love and favor everlasting both ways from beginning to end. And God has no beginning nor end upon His people. The love He has for you. But God who is rich in mercy... For His great love wherein, wherewith He loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, catch that, hath quickened us together. We're quickened together as one body. One family. We have an inheritance in Christ. We're adopted. We're born in tomb. We're adopted. We're married to God. We're in the family of God. Married to Christ with a bridegroom. Even when we were dead in sin, quickened us, there's the birth of the Spirit, together with Christ. Christ is the first fruit that slept. Christ is the first to raise up 
from the dead. Steve and I were talking the other day about the second psalm, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten Thee. When the Son of God was born into the world, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts there praising God. That's not the day spoken of in the second psalm. The second psalm is speaking of the day when Christ came forth from the grave defeating death, and He that had power over death, Hebrews 2.14, He became, He was made flesh. He died in the flesh to save us from our sin. And upon His resurrection, Thou art my Beloved Son, this day have I begotten Thee. This day You have come forth from the grave. And because He came forth from the grave, He brought us. We had nothing to do with it. Especially Gentiles who were the heathen. He brought us forth from death with Him. It is finished. He died for our salvation. And He came forth from the grave for our justification. Even when we were dead in sins, Christ has quickened us together. He's quickened us together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? And hath raised us up together Raise you up from death. Spirit of God, which quickened the Lord Jesus Christ, dwells within you. He's given you life. Jesus said, The hour is coming now is that the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. That's a spiritual life in this world. If the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, that same Spirit shall also raise up your mortal bodies. And that by grace. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which the dead shall hear His voice. Those in the grave and shall come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life, they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. We all deserve the resurrection of damnation. But the covenant of the election of grace is why we have life. You give that glory to the Son of God who laid aside the glory that God had walked through this world among sinful men being the light of God in a dark world and laid His life down, His body becoming sin for us by grace, by unmerited love and favor. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. We cannot attain to that. We strive. Wife, forever reverence her husband. We can't attain to that love, but we strive because of grace. It's it's an effect of grace. Even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ by grace, you are saved, and hath raised us up together. You're alive. You're alive. You're alive. Let's, Let's dispel human error. 
You're alive in Christ because God gave you life because He chose you. He's always loved you and Christ died for you. Because of the covenant, He was bound. He prayed, Oh Father, let this cup pass from Me. Nonetheless, not My will but Thine be done. He knew He was bound to the covenant and had to die. That is grace. That is the grace of God. That is the love of God to an unworthy people. He's raised us up together. He's brought us forth from death. Christ came forth from death. He's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Christ is in heaven above preparing a place for us. He's building us. He's preparing us mansions. Okay? I live in a Jim Walter house built in the 80s. And we've done a lot of improvements, but I would not call it a mansion. You drive through some of the newer subdivisions, you see things I would consider a mansion. But there is nothing in this world that compares to the mansion that's being prepared for you by the very Son of God, by the grace of God. We cannot imagine what grace will bestow to us when we stand in heaven and immortal glory. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, ages, there's an age in glory, okay? Why does it say age when we know it's eternal? Here we have the age of creation to Abraham. We have the age of Abraham. Christ, we have the age of Christ, the church of grace, the age of Christ to the day of the resurrection. The Scripture is teaching us there is an age coming that will never end. It is the fullness of the grace of God when God's children are delivered by grace to heaven and immortal glory. And they will all be there. For He shall deliver up the kingdom, each and every child of grace. Each and every one included in the inheritance of our brother Jesus Christ that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us. Toward us. Sister Ellie and I were talking about how blessed we are. We're in this world. God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And she brought forth our rod and our staff. They comfort me. We have both of those by the grace of God as we live in a dark, cursed, sinful world. We have joy beyond compare with anything else. What in the world can we imagine? We cannot. What the full grace of God manifests to us when we see Christ as He is and live in new heavens and a new earth and stand with God in glory. Grace, the grace of God in Christ. For by grace... 
Are ye saved through faith? And not that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Okay. Some would understand that, that our faith that we have as if we possessed it of our own brought us here. It's a gift of God. Faith is the fruit of the Spirit. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It comes by being born of God. John 17, we find penned by the Holy Spirit. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, because He's about to be crucified, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. This is the purpose of all things. This is the purpose of the covenant of grace. Okay? That Christ would glorify the Father, that the Father would glorify the Son. Everything is about the glory of the Son of God. All things were made by Him and for Him. Let that sink in. He's not here to reach out to sinners to beg them to come to Him. He's here to save His people from their sins for the glory of God and God will glorify Him. God has lifted Him up above all other things, period. It's for the glory of the Son of God. That's the purpose of all things. We're the beneficiaries of the grace of God because God loved us. God is due that glory. Christ is due that glory. Let me get to my point. Faith. The South given Him power over all flesh that He should give eternal life to everyone that will accept and receive Him. No. To as many as thou hast given Him. Plain as dirt. And this is life eternal. You want to know what eternal life is? That they might know Thee. Adam was driven from the presence of God and we could know God no more. Because we were sinners. This is life eternal that they might know Thee, the only, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. God quickens you. God gives you life. God writes His law upon your inner parts. And you know God in Christ because Christ reveals Himself to you. When we stand in heaven in immortal glory, with this body raised up and rejoined by the grace of God, we shall see Him as He is. We know Him here by faith. There we know Him by sight. Grace. The grace of God manifested to every child of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is the fruit of the Spirit. God gives you birth. God gives you faith. Christ reveals God to you. Does that make sense? And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. And I'm going to close in a minute with a few verses. 
For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before when? Before the foundation of the world. 14th Psalm tells us that God looked down from heaven to see the works of man or to see man. There was none that doeth good, no, not one. None that understood, none that sought after God. No, not one. When did God look down? Before the foundation of the world. And omniscience. This covenant had been made. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let that sink in. Understand the plain language. God, by grace, gave us the knowledge of the Godhead. The knowledge of the Christ. God, by His grace, works within us a desire and to do and to will of His pleasure. God works in us to follow Him, to strive to love Him, to glorify Him. Here in this world, by the grace of God, we had absolutely nothing to do with it. It is all for the glory of the grace of God. There is a song we sing. Grace, tis a charming sound. If I can remember it, I'll try to quote the last verse. Grace all the works shall crown through everlasting days. It lays in heaven the topmost stone and well deserves the praise. It's all about the election of grace, the purpose of grace, the glory of the Son of God. May we ever be enabled and upheld by God to be able to know and worship Him while we live in this world.